We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, we are back for round two today, and we are going to discuss the commitment of 2023 defensive end R. Kel Mookum. R. Mel Mookum. This is a uh, this is going to be an interesting show, Ryan. We're going to have R. Mel on the show. We're going to give a little backstory on what's going on here. But number one, this is a flip. Notre Dame has flipped R. Mel from Stanford. Uh, this is a 2023 kid. His parents, uh, one of his parents is from Cameroon. Another one of his parents are from uh, Chad. Uh, his family lives in Canada. Did not start playing football until the last year and a half. Uh, and he first couple, I guess, year, he didn't even play a season uh, in Canada because uh, that's where his family currently lives. He was a hockey player growing up. And now he is a commitment to the University of Notre Dame as a football player. Very, very intriguing kid. We're going to get into it. We're going to watch film. We're going to do all these kind of things. So if you don't know who he is, then stop making assumptions about what kind of player you think he is. Okay, we're going to dive into it. You know we're going to shoot you straight. This is an interesting kid, Ryan. This is a kid we were told about. Oh, when did I tell you about it? About two and a half, three weeks ago, about three weeks ago. Uh, Very intriguing player. Uh, he's a young man that so when when Notre Dame started offering players like Blake Purchase and Caleb Herring, we told y'all that that wasn't in response to Keon Keeley. That was in response to Notre Dame maybe taking a fifth defensive lineman. And it was more about trying to find a guy that would be more of a Jason Moore replacement. So the first thought people are going to have is this is a replacement for Keon Keeley. It is not. This is a 6'4", 250-pound big end who could grow into a three technique. This is more about this is a guy that will be end up being one of your five defensive linemen. So very interesting player. Didn't start playing football till recently. Played six games last year at Woodbury Forest. Had uh, 10 tackles for loss and five sacks. If you if that name sounds familiar to you, Woodbury Forest is in Virginia. It is the home of C.J. Procise, Greer Martini, and, of course, uh, Doug Randolph. Three players in their name is signed from Woodbury Forest. So very interesting player. Stanford offered him in June. Committed soon after. He has he has offers from Harvard, Penn, and Brown. Uh, 
clearly was admitted into Stanford because you can't commit to Stanford until you've been admitted from Stanford, at least kind of gone through different things. And uh, obviously he's been cleared the process through Notre Dame. He's not a Virginia boy. He is a Canadian, which is why he grew up playing hockey. So very interesting player. So Ryan, you and I, uh, you and I, this isn't a kid we'd ever heard of until about three, four weeks ago when we got word that Notre Dame started kind of doing some digging on other players and looking for a fifth defensive lineman after Jason Moore went to Ohio State. They came across this kid, and from what I'm told, the staff just fell in love with him right away. Now, there were a lot of things that they had to kind of figure out. Look, what's his academic status? He'd been going to he'd been going to school in Canada for a couple of years. You know, this was his first year being at school in the United States. Not that that is an issue. It just it's a different you know it's a different hurdle to get through uh, when it comes to the admissions process. Kid who hadn't played football a whole lot, hadn't been in camp, a lot of camps. He hasn't gone to you know, the the seven-on-seven circuit, those are the type of things. So there's a lot of digging that the Notre Dame staff had to do to get this kid to find out about this kid. So uh, did did a lot of background stuff, looked into his grades, looked talked to people that knew him, and then he took some official visits this year uh, during the summer. And so when Armel was on campus, obviously there were some, some, some places he went where Notre Dame had c- contacts. And so what they were able to do was kind of reach out to their contacts and say, did you guys measure him when he visited for for his visit? Because Notre Dame does that. They will measure kids. They'll take their height, weight, uh, hand size, wingspan, all that kind of stuff when kids are on campus. And what they were told is he measured in over 6'3", over 250 pounds, and had an 80-plus inch wingspan, which for a 16, 17-year-old kid, that's really long. And as I said, as a kid that grew up at that size, grew up playing soccer and hockey, considered himself more of a hockey player than a football player. So very intriguing backstory, Ryan, and reminds me a lot of when Notre Dame got on Adi Takumba Ogundiji, some kid that was committed to Mm. Western Michigan that I'd never heard of. And you see a lot of similar things from that wingspan, man, and you see a lot of similar traits. And that's kind of the a mix of Khalid, Kareem and Adi is kind of what Notre Dame sees here. He's already weighs more than Adi, and he's mm-hmm. kind of got a lot of, you know, like a, a frame that's similar to Khalid's. So this is a guy that Notre Dame staff on is, is very high on. And from what I'm told, if he cleared certain hurdles and the background checked out, this is a kid they would have taken even if Keon Keeley is committed because, again, not a Viper. So different players. So what a very intriguing whirlwind. We usually kind of have an idea of who kids are. We watch a lot of film. It's not often – you hear about a kid and you're like, who's that? And that's exactly the reaction we both had. When I called you and I was like, hey, man, you need to watch this kid's film. You're like, who? And then you watch this film, Ryan, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I get it. I get it now. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York City and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The Black Velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar, graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. The Big City French Roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face. And she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. They were chosen by Trade after she filled out a short quiz. You got to give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, They'll take your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. I, I mean, Brian, you literally sent me the huddle tape and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll watch it. I don't know what this is about, right? Like it's just some <laughs> random player from the state of Virginia. I'm like, oh, Brian sent me a Virginia guy. He's got to be a little biased here, I guess, right? But he's so, not a Virginia guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I watched Armel's tape and I reached out Armel before I even knew that Notre Dame was was even you know in the right. running. And I'm just like, dude, I, I love your film. Like like Brian said, long arms. You see that immediately on film, 80-inch wingspan plus. Think of, I mean, similarly, it's like a Bubakar Traore body type right. too. I mean, right. you can kind of compare them a little bit to that too. Round well, we six, know that's four, what Notre Dame likes, right? They love those yeah, exactly. long dudes. They love those long dudes. Ryan, you know, I'd like to keep talking yeah. about uh, Armel a little bit and giving a little bit yeah. about his backstory, but I figured a better way to get people to introduce him and learn about him is to bring him on and talk about it. So we are joined by Notre Dame's latest commitment, Armel Mookum. Did I say your name correctly, by the way? Yes, yes, sir. Armel Mookum. Excellent. So Armel, welcome to uh, Notre Dame Nation, man. Thanks for coming on with us. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. So this is an interesting uh, – this has been an interesting situation, Armel. Obviously, football is new to you. So just kind of give a little bit of backstory about how you came to being a – foot. I mean, what, two years ago you weren't playing football. Now you're committed to the University of Notre Dame. That's got to be an interesting backstory there, man. Yes, sir. So uh, I grew up in Canada, Montreal. 
Um, I've always played hockey. I played hockey since I was like, what, five years old. And when I got in my sophomore year, uh, the head football coach, you know, he approached me and he asked me if I wanted to play football. But at the time, I was so focused on like going to the NHL. So I said like, nah, I got too much on my plate with hockey and school. And then one day I just, I was like, all right, I'm gonna give it a try. And I fell in love with the game. I love the game of football. So how quickly, so you went from Canada to Woodbury Forest. What was behind that move to Woodbury Forest? Was it a football move? Was it an academic move? Was it a combination of both? What led you to Woodbury this past year? It was definitely a football move. I only went to Woodbury because I wanted to play D1 football. Okay. So you went from not playing football a year before that to now you're a Division One football recruit. Just what was it about the game? You know, when you when you strap those pads on, because clearly you played hockey, so you're not afraid of contact. I mean, that, and, and and football, you even get even thicker pads than than hockey does at times. But what was it about the game that just made you fall in love with it so quickly, or was it just did you have? I mean, did you have a natural feel? Did you? Just, I mean, I, I'll let you say it. What was it about the game that you fell in love with? The physicality of the game, you know, the value, the brotherhood. Those were all things that I really liked about football. So, yeah. How quickly Armel, did would... – go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Armel, I was just going to ask from a just general understanding of football, you being so new to the game, how do you feel like you're just, your knowledge of the game has improved over the last couple of years? Now you're going into your senior year. Obviously, it's a big one for you. How, feel, how do you feel like just the knowledge base to play football and the technical aspects of it have improved over the last year and a half? Yeah, so when I first started, I was really raw. I was, you know, I was fast and athletic. But now I really – I'm working on my craft. Uh, the COVID year, actually, I spent a lot of time watching film, YouTube videos of guys like Von Miller, Khalil Mack, Chandler Jones, you know, just to be a better football player overall. And I think it's playing enough right now. So what were the things when you when you first started playing, there's things that are going to come naturally to you and things that you want to you're going to need to work on and get used to. I want to talk about some of the things that as you started playing, what were the more natural things? What are the things you kind of picked up quickly? You just felt like, oh, wow, this feels this feels good playing this. I can actually do this right now. I, I say rushing the passer, going around mm-hmm. people, hitting the quarterback. That was extremely natural to me. Now, as you as you kind of go into your second full season playing football, obviously, right? And and you look at the situation where uh, you know you're working on your game, you're out there putting in the you know putting in the grind and those kind of things. What are the parts of your game right now, Armel, that you say okay to go to get to, get to the next level, not just play Division One football, but actually play at the Division One level, getting on the field, taking your game to another level? What are the things that you've spent your off season working on with your game as you go into your senior year? I'd say the feeding blocks. Um, attacking the tackles, you know, just the run game overall because you earn the right to rush the passers, you know, on first and second down. I got to do a great job of stopping the run and so I can rush the pass on third down, which I do kind of good. I love that. I so, Armel, can I, can I ask you a little bit just obviously you're a big academic kid. I'm sure you come from a great academic family because you were committed to Stanford, right? So, obviously, you go from Stanford, be the Stanford commit to a Notre Dame commit. First and foremost, can you just take me through why it made sense to go towards Notre Dame in this sense and just kind of the values behind why what made picking a school important to you? I'd say why Notre Dame? That's what you're asking me, right? Yeah. Why Notre Dame? Uh, I'd say great academics and, you know, just competing at the highest, fo- uh, at the highest football uh, level, sorry. You know, competing for a national championship every year is really something I was interested in playing on the national television, 
And, you know, having a top-tier education at the same time is everything I was, you know, I've always dreamed of. So Notre Dame made it really sense. So I, I want to talk a little bit about sort of the relationship because obviously this was a sort of a new thing. I mean, Notre Dame has not been a school that's been on you for a long period of time. This kind of happened quickly. Can you just kind of talk about that minute, that instance when Notre Dame did reach out, how that relationship grew and what led you to going from, you know, Stanford commit, didn't have a Notre Dame offer to now all of a sudden you're a commit and as part of one of, and it's one of the best recruiting classes in the entire country. Yes, sir. So Notre Dame has always been one of my favorite school. And actually, when I was playing hockey, Notre Dame was my favorite school to watch on TV. So, so the know, hockey I, team is helping the football program. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm going to let Coach Jackson know about that one. He's going to love that. You don't hear that very often, right? You hear like yes. baseball players and basketball, but hockey team. I like. Okay, I can dig that. I can dig that. So, so yeah, what is your – go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was I started talking to uh, Coach Bowden, Chad, um, mm-hmm. talked to Coach Washington, a little bit of Coach Freeman, and I really liked their vision. So, yeah. So what was their message to you? Like when they reached out to you, what was it like saying, hey, here's here's what we think of you, we want you? I mean, what was, what was the message like? What were the things that they kind of said to you to sell you on Notre Dame's – their specific vision beyond just, you know, kind of what you knew about them as a fan and the hockey team and things along those lines? Um, they said that I have a great motor, motor that I play uh, I play hard, but that I'll have to earn my spot when I come to Notre Dame. Everything is based off, based off competition, and that's exactly what I'm looking for. And Ar- Armel, when you're making – when obviously Notre Dame gets in late, you're developing those race relationships with those coaches very quickly. What are what, – what is – how just has that relationship building process been and what's kind of stood out to you about – Coach Freeman or Coach Washington or, or Chad? I say they really care about their players and it shows. And I talked with uh, a couple of players like uh, Devin Houston, Houston, uh, Houston, yeah, that is right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, Devin. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I talked with him. I coached with Coach Bowden. And, you know, it just these guys care about their guys, about their players. So it was really important to me. So you have had a chance, it sounds like, to, to get to know some of these Notre Dame commits and obviously i would imagine that's going to be one of the next things for you is okay now i'm in the class let me let me get to know these guys that i'm going to be playing football with you know starting in in a year from now yes sir so are you kind of i'm I'm, because i'm not sure how it happens going from canada to the united states and those kind of things academically are you going to be on pace to graduate early or are you going to need to go kind of through the full four years what's your plan in that regard as far as once you get to notre dame Um, i'll have to finish my senior year woodbury won't let me uh early enroll Okay. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Some schools are like that. So, so you'll, you'll have your whole next, this whole next year at Woodbury. When you kind of look at just sort of the, what's the next step for you, you've now committed, right. And, and I would imagine you're going to make a visit to Notre Dame this fall. Do you feel like it's going to be an advantage to you to kind of have that recruiting process out of the way that you can now focus on football mainly? I mean, for a lot of reasons, but also because you are still kind of new to this and you still haven't a lot of things you're trying to prove. Do you feel like having the – was it important for you to get kind of recruiting done to be able to focus on that, or was it just unique to Notre Dame is what kind of made it to made it uh, – because, I mean, you were committed like, to Stanford. Yeah, it was just unique to Notre Dame. I just felt like this was the best opportunity for me, so I didn't hesitate to commit. And, you know, as of my senior year, I still have a lot of things to learn. And, you know, being committed to Notre Dame just means that I have a bigger target on my back. So, you know, I got to play hard and keep keep working hard. You've used Armel, the word. After so, we, sorry, go ahead, Ryan. Ryan. So you've used the word competition. You've used the word 
uh, physicality. Now you're talking about, uh, you know, just, I mean, there's a lot of different words. It sounds like you're really embracing the challenge that is Notre Dame. I mean, it is a bigger school. It is higher standard expectations for football, all those kind of things. It sounds like that's kind of what you want. You want to be pushed. You want to be challenged. Am I reading too much into that? Or is that kind of where you're, you're coming well, from? That's correct. That's exactly what I was looking for, competition somewhere. Because, you know, when there's competition, pushes you to your best. And I want to be the best player on the field and off the field. Armel, I know you you mentioned a little bit about your athleticism, your size, and the work ethic that you have. Let me ask you about the Notre Dame fans in this chat. After we get you off, we're probably going to watch a little bit of film on you. Mm -hmm. We're going to see what type of caliber of player you are. Talk to me a little bit about what makes you special. It could be from an athlete, athletic perspective, from a student athlete perspective. What makes you think that what should Notre Dame fans know about you and the fit potentially with Notre Dame? Oh, they should know I, lo- I love to grind. I love to grind. I love to perfect my craft, you know. So I'm always going to be working and I want to help um, the Irish to win another um, national championship. So when you talk about, so, you know, one thing that Notre Dame does also really well is they recruit offensive linemen really well. So you're going to be battling to get some really good offensive linemen. What are the things that they're going to have to be ready for with your game? Like, what do you view as the strengths of your game right now? Obviously, you're a talented player, but you, you have, as you look to improve your game, there's there's a foundation to build upon. What are the things you look at and say, okay, this is what makes you know, gives me a chance to to be good at this thing. It's because I have this, I have that skill, whatever the skill. I don't want to start saying them because I want to let give you a chance to talk about it. What do you think are the strengths of your game? We asked you earlier about what you need to improve on. What are the strengths? I'd say my greatest strength is my takeoff. So you know when I know it's that it's a pass play, these tackles better be ready. Because as soon as that ball snaps, I'm gonna be gone. Armel we know you got a lot going on and you don't have a lot of time with us. We really appreciate you joining us. Just what, what are some things you want Notre Dame fans to know about you? Because a lot of these people are just getting to know you for the first time. They hadn't heard about you before. Um, we're going to teach them as much as we can when we break down the film here, but what are some things uh, I know your parents are from, I believe Cameroon and Chad, correct. Yes, sir. That's and correct. then, yep. and then you guys now live in Canada. What are some things that you, it can be about football it can be about who you are. What are some things you'd like to let Notre Dame fans know about you as we kind of, get to know you a little bit better. Um, something I want them to know about me is that um, je parle français. I speak French. So I think that's really cool. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, I, like, I like hockey. I like to cook. You know, I'm not only a football player. I feel like I'm more than an athlete, and I want to use my platform to, you know, spread social awareness on different topics. Do you feel like being at a place like Notre Dame that does have the prestige and the brand and the opportunities it can it can create for you, not just in football but in other ways, is sort of a thing that helps enhance that aspect of you, that it does give you a platform that maybe you might not have at some other places? Yes, sir, definitely. Definitely, yeah. Well, Armel, thank you so much, buddy. We appreciate you. We're going to let you run. We're going to pop in your film, and we're going to talk about your game and let people see what you're talking about, what offensive linemen have. So, Armel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. All right. Take care, Mel. Bye. So that is Armel Mookum, folks. I mean, it's just a really engaging young man. This has been a really interesting recruitment, Ryan. Um, Here's here's my favorite story that I was told. So somebody told me that Notre Dame, one of the people in Notre Dame was talking to Armel about where Notre Dame's business school was ranked compared to another school. And he corrected them. They were wrong. He knew it better than they did. 
which I think is fascinating, which kind of shows you, you don't go to Woodbury Forest. Look, I've recruited Woodbury Forest. I recruited a running back from there back when I, back in the day. I lost him to Johns Hopkins. Does that give you an idea what kind of students that are Woodbury Forest, you know, creates? And and I lost another I – I recruited another kid. I stopped recruiting because he didn't really fit what we were doing. He went to Gettysburg, another very high academic institution. So it's a very high-level academic school. And you just – you see this as a kid that that understands what makes Notre Dame unique and a kid that's going to be able to – because my fear with a kid like him that's a real raw is you're trying to learn the game of football while going to school at the University of Notre Dame. That can be hard. But this yeah. is a kid that has the ability to do that because he's already doing that now at Woodbury Forest. And I think that's an important aspect of this as well. This is a very sharp, engaging kid, but a, but a, and, and raw. I mean, we're not going to say hey, he's a top hundred player. I don't, I don't know where to rank him right now. He's really raw. We got a lot to learn about him, but there's definitely some tools that you can work with here. I mean, no, nah, there's there's infinite tools. If we're being honest, I mean, the first thing I popped on Brian, I'm like, all right, great frame, and then he has this first step quickness that so you're just kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting, yeah. and then you're like, oh, he has an 80 inch wingspan too. That's even more interesting. And he's only been playing football for a very short amount of time. So when you add all those things together, the kid has a very high ceiling. How, you know, what is the floor? That's going to be a great conversation to have. But either way, high upside kid, a lot of talent, a kid that you can, you can take in this class because you are potentially going to go to five. And this is the fifth defensive end, fifth defensive lineman potentially. And we'll see what the class ends up looking like. And Ryan, we've seen, you know, we've seen, we've talked before in the past about Notre Dame needing to potentially get into a situation where they may get up to 27, 27 kids, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and so to me, when you're when you're looking at a kid like this, this is the kind of, especially because you've landed such high floor guys already in the class. You've got Devin Houston, you've got Bubakar, you've got Brandon Vernon, guys that I would say have a little higher floors. I mean, Bubakar still learned the game too, but he's got a higher floor from a size and speed package. He's at least going to be a solid player. And with this kid, I think that you see he, he may never play a meaningful down at Notre Dame, but you're bringing in a kid that's got the kind of ceiling that if he hits that ceiling, you're not just talking about a rotation player. You're talking about a kid that can be a, a, a impact player for you. That's the ceiling. Now, long way to go to get there. Long way to go. But sure. the tools are there. And so when you're going to when you're going to take a chance on a kid like this, it's about taking a chance on a kid that you think has the ceiling to get there and a kid that fits the academic profile you're looking for. And certainly he does. Like I said, not only was he previously committed to Stanford, but he's got, he has offers from Harvard, uh, Penn and Brown. I mean, you know, so again, it just speaks to the quality student he is, but he's being recruited by Notre Dame, not just because he's a great student because they think he's got potential as a football player. And that's, yeah. that's, that's ultimately, you know, going to determine his, his success on the field at a place like Notre Dame. And Brian, I know you mentioned that Notre Dame has had success just at the high school that he goes Mm -hmm. to, high academic school. They really prepare student athletes for making that jump. But also they've had success with this type of player, right? right? Like you mentioned Adi Ogandiji, you mentioned Khalid Kareem, I mentioned Bubakar Traore. They're all guys that kind of fit a similar size and athleticism profile, Mm -hmm. and they've had success developing those players. So I mean, it may be looked at as a developmental player and it should, but ultimately if you have, if you have confidence in your coaching staff, then I have confidence that this young man with the work ethic that he has. And I think if the, anything you got from that interview is that that kid is a grinder, man. Like that that is like the first thing, literally the first thing he said, I'm a grinder. Yeah. 
which well my favorite thing was i have to earn my pass rush reps i'm like yeah. yes sir i yeah. love you thank you so much for <laughs> saying that like stop the run and then that gives you the privilege right. to rush the passer i right. absolutely love that so he he fit he fits this he fits the scheme he fits this program and he obviously fits this class right, right now so it's all good fit all the so way around Let's talk about those things, Ryan. We're going to pull up the film here in a second. We're going to watch some game film, which is good. And then we're going to watch some some workout film of him that's going to show you a little something different from him that 247 did that that was from a practice I think is really really impressive. And and you're going to you're going to like what you see from it, but uh, I w- I want to I want to pull up the 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 high school film because again, you're going to see some things on here that you're like, "Okay, this kid's really raw, but you're going to see some things that that you'll understand why we're saying this kid has a chance to be a be a player and you know if you remember i was adi ogandiji when i graded him i gave him a i think a three to three and a half star grade we had a four and a half star upside four to four and a half star upside there was always that big gap well adi was that way as a 215 pounder as a junior when notre dame flipped him from western michigan he was 215 pounds this is a kid who has checked in confirmed 250 plus on visits and you're going to see the frame here in a minute he's a thick kid uh and not like a fat kid a thick kid like a kid that's broad shoulders you know big hands big feet all those type of things so you're gonna see you're gonna see that uh you're gonna see that um as part of this as part of this thing from him too so um he, he's a he's a kid that's got some talent there's no doubt let's pull up the film ryan and and see if this actually pulls up you know this thing can be can be tricky. So I'm going to just, let's talk about him for a second. Here's what I want to talk about. Cause I got to switch the thing over to, to allow, uh, allow mm-hmm. the film to show up. Cause you know, StreamYard just sometimes wants to be very difficult. Uh, but let's talk a little bit too, Ryan, about the fit before we get into the film, the fit. Cause again, I want to hammer on this. This is not a kid that is being, should be viewed as a replacement for Keon Keely. No, no, he is this kid. Like Brian said, is a six, three plus 250 plus pounds, they project him to being a strong side defensive end, the big mm-hmm. end in the system potentially, right? So, I mean, we'll talk about his frame. I think the one thing that Armel said that I agree with completely is he's a big athlete right now, right? Like there's no bad weight on him. He's just a big kid. And he has a frame that I think when we watch the film, and if anybody disagrees, please put in the chat, but I think that he's going to hold 270 plus pounds pretty easily. Like I think this kid's going to be a 270, 275 pounds big end who – from a fit perspective on the field, he's a really talented player because he has first step quickness. And we'll get more into this into the film in a second, but he has a, f- a quick first step. He's got more flexibility than you would think for a kid his size as well. He's not just a linear athlete and he's strong. He's really, really strong. The first thing I texted Brian back after he sent me the film was that kid is a super strong player and he doesn't fully know all the time what he's doing. But what pops on film is that his kid is explosive. He's got a great frame and he's strong. Like, and then you want, then you go on his Twitter, and the first thing that he's popping up there, Brian, is him doing hang cleans, of like mm-hmm. just nonstop hang cleans. I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's also a workout warrior type of right. guy as well. So the fit makes sense from a field perspective. We talked about the academic side of everything, right? He was just he was committed to Stanford, so like right. academics are not going to be an issue there. He's a very well-spoken kid, as everybody heard in the interview. And despite the fact that Notre Dame hasn't been on him quick, Notre Dame did a great job selling the vision very quickly. So from every perspective, I think this is a great fit, Brian. I really do. 
Well, and just to, just one of the questions that somebody just had, and this is a, a fair question. Somebody says the coaching and competition is high school conducive to his development. Yes, absolutely. And that's the thing about Woodbury Forest is, is pri- when I was, so I played private school football in Virginia. And when I played private school football in Virginia, it was not very good. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you, there was like, we were good. Atlantic Shores was good. And there was like a couple other good schools, but it was just not good. And uh, it's changed a lot. Episcopal's producing a lot of Division One kids. I mean, Episcopal, where where Notre Dame got Litchfield Ajavon, had like I think three DBs from their secondary that went to Division One football. Like one went mm-hmm. to Stanford. I can't remember where the other kid went, who was a really good player. Uh, you're seeing more and more kids from this region go on to play college football because more and more kids are valuing education, and the school system in Virginia isn't what it used to be. So you're seeing more of these kids go to play private football. So you're 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 seeing a good level of football. They're playing against other kids that are going to college. Now there's some teams they're going to play that aren't that good. There's a lot of teams they play that are good football. And as we've said, CJ Prosice, Greer Martini, Doug Randolph, two of those three kids are pretty darn good football players in Notre Dame. And the reason Doug Randolph wasn't a good player is because he just battled injuries from the moment he got to Notre Dame. But he was a he was actually the highest ranked of the three. And so this is a good level of football. It, it's it, it is definitely a good level of football, and it's a very high academic school. And my understanding, I'm going to have to look this up, but my understanding is his, his, I'm, well, I'm not even going to say it. I'm going to look it up first just to, to make sure, but this is a, this is a good program. This is not a, this is not like some small little school that no one's ever heard of, uh, doesn't produce any football players. This is a place that regularly produces uh, division one football players and the league that they play in. Now they don't play like same, you know, full schedule and all those kind of things, but uh, and and the other thing too is uh, their head football coach played at the University of Virginia, and he was an offensive lineman. You remember Jackson Mateo Ryan from University of Virginia? Oh, yeah. That's their new head football coach. So this is a guy that has played Division One football, knows what a Division One defensive lineman looks like because he played against him for a long time. So uh, yes, very very good level of football, very good level of football. So yeah. let's, let's and Brian, Brian I, the most impressive thing about this kid, and I just want to reiterate it mm-hmm. again for people that just got in here, he's been playing football for a year and a half, man. Basically. Like this is this is yeah. that type of kid where yeah. I don't care what the star rankings are right now because he's literally just learning the game. And the fact that he has offers from Notre Dame and Stanford and Virginia Tech and Virginia and some really good schools, North Carolina after only playing football for such a short amount of time, I think the offer list and the the physical profile that you're going to see speaks a lot more volumes right. than whatever his ranking is going to be. What I view this is this is the kind of kid Notre Dame has been thriving with on the defensive line before Marcus Freeman showed up. That, that's what I, that's kind of the thing that I was talking to a buddy uh, right before the show. And that's a comment I made is this is the kind of kid Notre Dame has been doing well with this kid. That's got the tools. He's long. He's twitchy. He's got the talent to be a good football player. Uh, He's just a guy that needs to learn how to play. It's the Isaiah Foskies, the 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 Adi Tagumba Ogundiji, like those type of guys that you know that you don't really know a lot about, but they they have the ceiling. And this is also why you can take a kid like this because of how well you've done at the position. Because you do have Tyson Ford and Aiden Gobira and Josh Burnham and Donovan Heinish last year. Because you do have Bubakar and Devin Houston and Brennan Vernon. Because you do have. Brandon Davis Swain committed in next year's class and Owen Wafel in next year's class, Ryan, you're in a better position mm-hmm. to take a, take a chance on a kid like this, knowing there's a much higher potential that he doesn't pan out than other guys in the class because he's so raw, but you can right. take a kid like this because he does have the ceiling 
And because, hey, if he doesn't pan out, we're okay. But if he does pan out, we just got ourselves a multi-year starting caliber football player. And that's that's the reason Notre Dame was on this kid. And I'll be honest with you, if you're someone who cares about stars, I'm just going to tell you something I won't say who. There are some much higher ranked players on the board that Notre Dame could have had a chance to land if they would have pushed for that they chose this kid over. That's just just telling you. Now, you could say it could end up being wrong, could end up being a mistake, but that's how they saw it, and that's why they did it. So I had somebody else say, hey, do you think this was a panic move because of Keon? And again, I want to reiterate, if you just joined the show, this has nothing to do with Keon Keeley. Plays a completely different position, completely different skill set, which you're going to see because we're going to break down some film, Brian. So let's pop in some film of Mr. – here we go. Oh, hold on a second. Let's get down here real quick. Armel Mookum. So let's get here. So Ryan, let's start it off. And the first thing you're, y'all are going to see is this is a kid with a really, really nice frame, but the get off and the length stand out. It's Change really direction impressive. there too. Yeah, you know, flat footed, being able to redirect. This is the clip though that got me, Brian, right here. Yeah. Ability to win the outside track was the outside shoulder of the yeah. tackle, and to just have slight bend there, man. That's mm-hmm. decent bend for a guy that's going to be a strong side defensive end. That's good stuff. Yeah, and he's a thick kid. Very, I mean, you can the length stands out. He doesn't know how to use his hands just yet, but he does have somewhat, especially as a pass rusher. I think his hand plays better as a pass rusher than in the run game. But you yeah. see a kid that's got a nice frame. You know, I mean, right here, this is another clip where you can see you can see two things here. There are three things here that really stand out. Number one, length for days. Number two, really good first step. Number three, once he sees that he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not sure where to go, right? That's the thing that you can see here too. It didn't, he ends up running into the play, but you can see that hesitation. Like, uh, where am I supposed to go? But then he sniffs it out and he goes and makes the play. He shows a nice feel for the game. This is a kid that uh, that 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 brings this. Is that's another one where you can see the length. The other thing and, I and noticed. A lot of, go ahead, Ryan. Sorry, Brian. I was just going to say one thing that I love too is that again he called himself a big athlete. There's just points where he's just overwhelming, dudes. Yeah. You know, like this. Hey, the first thing that popped up on film was like, this kid's explosive and he is strong. This like, hand this play is right here. naturally strong yeah. kid. Look at it. This is, I mean, you don't, this is against a big unathletic kid, but look, he, he hasn't, he knows what he's trying to do. He'll have a coach teach him up, but look at that. How many kids do you see do that? A little club and a swim, a club and a slip, excuse me, uh, coming off of an edge, edge rush. You know what I mean? Like you just don't see that a whole lot. That's a really yeah. impressive play, right? This is against Andre Green's high school. So if you see that number six right there, y'all remember Andre Green, the receiver that went to North Carolina that Notre Dame recruited? That's that, Again, I'm just trying to give some context for the type of teams that they play. So that's against a team that had a Division One wide receiver on it. So for those who want to know what kind of level of football he plays. Brian, that, I would also say this is the type of kid that if he wasn't so new to the game, like if this was a four-year letterman, let, let's say, mm-hmm. going into his fourth year, he would, I mean, he wouldn't have been committed to Stanford, in my opinion. Like, I think mm-hmm. he's that type of athlete. It's just the rawness. That's the that's the drawback right now. Right. But, I mean, I don't think anybody could watch this film and not be like, wow, that kid's really explosive. He's got a big frame and he's strong. The whole three of those things. Right. This kid looks like he should be playing in the SEC just from a physical perspective. Right. And now it's about teaching him how to play the game, right? That's the next step. See, like, there's, there's another one, Ryan. You talk about that first step. I mean, that's a really quick first step off the ball. Really quick first step off the ball. There are times too you'll see him where he's he'll come out of stance high, and he looks a little tight working laterally. I think that's more of a technique thing, and I'm we're going to pull some clips up here in, in a minute that are going to kind of speak to that. Um, 
you know, where I think there's some tools there, just this power rush. Again, that's a small kid, but like he understands I'm bigger than this guy. Let me just bully him and get to the quarterback. Mm -hmm. Really impressive athlete, really good twitch. I mean, he uses his hands. He just doesn't know how to use them properly. And that's the thing that, I mean, that's why Washington makes the money he makes so he can teach him how to do those things. And and the other thing too is Al Golden is very familiar with this. Yeah. And Al Golden's very familiar with this area as well, having coached at Virginia. He knows he knows what kind of young people he's going to be getting in from Woodbury Forest. That's also something to consider a little bit. Look at that. Look at that locking out. Oh, by the way, his first year playing football, he played offense, by the way. I forgot to mention that. So he didn't even play defense his first year uh, in Canada. He played offense. But look at that. Look at that extension right there, Ryan, on that block. Yeah. He's – it's – this is this is just a kid that they were like, wow, you are bigger and stronger than everybody. Just yeah. go do this <laughs> and, and lock yeah. out and play. And that's not a hard, that's man. not a small kid he's going against. That kid's like face to face with him height wise. And he buried him. He yes. buried him at the end, deep into the end zone. Yep. Very intriguing player. Very intriguing player. Has a lot to learn about the game. But you, you see the motor. You see that nice hustle. I mean, if he if he ends up growing into a three technique. I'm not going to be shocked. I mean, he has a frame that kind of reminds me a lot of Jason Adamiola, to be completely honest with you, a taller version of it, but it reminds me a lot of Jason, you know, That's just fair. kind of that similar body type. So I could see him being a 285-pound, really quick, athletic, penetrating guy with great length and strong hands. Sound familiar? Right? <laughs> yeah. So, he's, he's a guy too, Brian, that I, I could see. I mean, even going back to Cincinnati – Marcus Freeman had a lot of success with these kind of guys too. Kind of these right. strong side defensive end, three tech right. tweeners, right? Like the guys that maybe could work inside and out. And I mean, this guy kid has enough twitch and flexibility, I think, to blast outside. But the point of the matter is, is that he's a big athletic kid, which you mm-hmm. love to see. Yep, no doubt. That move right there. Can we go back to that spin real quick? Of course. Can we go back to that spin. <laughs> I like this, man, because I was not anticipating. I think it's the next play. This little spin move he hit on top of the screen here. I was like, yeah. okay. I mean, it's not great technique, but I'm like, okay. It's terrible technique. It's, here's my point. It's terrible technique. He's standing straight up. He doesn't yeah. use his hands on the spin. But here's the point. He knows instinctually, I need to use a spin move here. I'm going to use it. He understands I can't just bully people. To me, yeah. Ryan, and I think what you're saying is, I love the fact that this kid thought about using a spin move. You know what I mean? Like, 100%. I've seen him use more different types of techniques than some of the kids that are committed to Notre Dame use as pass rushers. So again, very, very raw kid. Now I want to pull something up. 24 seven has something on there on his profile page of him working out at the school that I thought was, was really good. And I want to kind of play that. So you can just see kind of the thickness, the frame, the length, and then you can see him, the lateral quickness. You can see that really impressively. This is, it's, if case you can't tell, it's raining. Wait till you see him do the three cone drill, Ryan. Not the three cone drill. I'm sorry, the 20 yard shuttle. Wait till you see the 20 yard shuttle that he does on a wet field. Massive kid, man. Yeah. Look at that plant and drive. Look at that plant and drive for a 250 pound kid. You got athletes falling down. This kid's like, look at that. Look at that plant it's and drive, smooth, man. It's, yeah, it it's is. smooth for as big as he is, too. Yeah, it's it is. Smooth. This is what I was talking about. Watch this. It's not technically a 20-yard drill, but you can see. You you see what I'm saying. Like, that's some serious, some serious quick change of direction. On a wet – this it's raining. It's a wet field. That hip turn right there, like, that's a big kid doing that. And he's, he's moving as well as their smaller players. Obviously, right. not all of them are – 
Division One athletes, right. but like he makes he makes it look very effortless his movement skills. Right, that's what I'm talking about. Like this was this was really impressive, and I had somebody tell me that I needed to watch this. I w- I didn't originally I didn't see it, but it's it's really impressive. Look at that cha- Look at those flats. I mean, again, does he necessarily know the perfect technique? But look at that foot quickness. That's really impressive. That's really Brian, impressive. he's got a lot of room. Go ahead, He's got man. a lot of room to grow too. I mean, I was talking yes. about it earlier. I think this kid could be 275-ish pounds pretty easily, man. If he's already 250. Like I I someone said in the chat, I want to see what Coach Bayless can do with him. Yes. What Matt Bayless could do. And I also want to see that. I agree. Watch him bench press himself off the ground here. This is what uh, he gets off the ground quick, but he's benching himself off the ground on this one. Watch. Like that's impressive. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Yeah, it's a really talented football okay. player. A lot of a lot of upside, Ryan. Go ahead. This is fi- physically. This is how you draw up a strong side defensive end. He looks the mm-hmm. part. It's still all about development at this point. But again, if you're a, if you are a coach that has the confidence in your in your position coaches to develop players, mm-hmm. what are you missing with this kid? I mean, if he's if he's a hard worker and he has this type of physical makeup, there's no reason that this kid can't hit. Right. Somebody John A one compared him to Tom Bahali when he that's was interesting. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. As soon as I read that, somebody had said nice, uh, nice comparison John A one, and I was like, oh, what did John say? He said looks like Tom Bahali when he was at, from Penn State a while back, who ended up uh, with the Chiefs for a long time. I said similar body type. You know, I think Tom mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more natural edge player, but yeah, I mean, I I see that. And again, this is the kind of kid. Notre Dame's been having a lot of success with these kind of kids, right? These kids, these raw projects that are still learning the game of football. So there's a lot to like about this. So let's talk about the fit, Ryan. I think what we're seeing from Notre Dame is you and I have talked about this a lot. They want length. They want length. They want length. They want length. And then after getting some length, they want to add a little bit more length. And that's part of this. The other thing that they want to do is they want to get bigger. Mm-hmm. And so you, you see that with Devin Houston, you see that with Bubakar, who's got a great frame. You see that with Brennan Houston or Brennan Vernon, who's going to be 280 plus when it's all said and done, at least. This is a kid that is similar to that. You know, so you've got three kids in in Bubakar and Brennan Vernon, and now uh this young man, Armel Mukum, who are kind of similar guys, you know, like big ends that could play three technique. I have had some people tell me that the way Bubakar is moving, that it that there's a chance they may end up viewing him as the Viper. They're gonna they want to see some senior film because some of the work he's put in the summer that they think you know he may end up being a Viper and because the Viper's gonna be a little different it, under Al Golden, it's not gonna be the you know the drop into coverage guy all the time. We'll see. I you know I, I'm gonna have to see the senior film to believe that. I don't see that in Bubakar, but that's what some others who've seen him work have, have said. Uh, I just got to see it myself. But the point is. There's three guys that kind of can do a lot of different things, but they're bringing athleticism, length, and power to, and, and just an increase in size. And I think that is clearly something you're trying to see Notre Dame do more of with commitments like this and the current 23 class. And then Brandon Davis, Brandon Davis, Brandon Davis Swain in the 2024 class is length and size are really premiums for this Notre Dame coaching staff right now. 
length and size on the defensive line, but also Brian, all four of these guys that are committed right now play defensive end for their high schools. Right. right. So like these are big athletes. Even Devin yeah. Houston is a defensive end yeah. for his school, St. James school. So they're getting long athletic players with frames to add massively. I could, you could sell me that all four of the commits at defensive line in this class for Notre Dame now could be 280 plus pounds. All of them. Yeah. I think they could. Yeah. It's possible. He's the one, him and Bubakar are the two I think it probably have the, the most work to get there. I think that happens sure. naturally for Brendan and Devin Houston's basically there already. Yes. But, you know, I, th- I think actually, I think Bubakar's probably the one I would think would have the hardest time to get there because Bubakar's already kind of a ripped up kid where you can see with, with Armel, he's got a lot of body reshaping to do. Right. And I think that's something where it may take him a little bit of time, but it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they go through that process. But so what are some of the concerns, right? So we've talked a lot about what we like about this kid. What are the concerns that we have? The biggest one is, again, when you're talking about a kid, what have we always said, right? Low floor, high ceiling kids are great to get. We've talked about this. Give me a Joe uh, Joe Alt and an Ashton Craig in every offensive line class, and I'm 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 happy. Right, that really raw kid that needs a lot of work but has the tools. This is the sort of the defensive line equivalent of equivalent of an Ashton Craig. Now, for different reasons, Ashton needs to get size and all that. But like that project kid that maybe doesn't pan out, but if he does, boy, he's going to be pretty good. And I think that's what you see from Armel is he may never play a meaningful snap at Notre Dame. When you have a kid this raw, that's the reality of it. That could be true if he went to Stanford or Iowa or Iowa State or anywhere. He's very raw. He's got a lot to learn. And so if you're, I mean, you're always taking a chance with a kid like that, right? I mean, that's, that's the, that's the, to me, the biggest concern you don't never know if he can get to that level. Can he get to the level where you're, you're able to turn the talent into potential just because a kid has physical talent doesn't mean you can turn that into football production. And so when a kid is this raw, Ryan, I think that's really at this point in time is the only the major red flag. And then what that equals, that equals, you know, raw technique wise inconsistent pad level, you know, and can get offs a little bit, you know, his footwork and space needs refinement. All those things are a part of him being raw. And it just means that he's going to need a lot of time and that's going to be the big key for him. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's the, I mean, that is the, the only really sticking point I think for the negative side of everything is, well, from a media perspective and so from just, general fans at some point some people just look at the the rankings right like that's right. going to be the drawback but sure. what what we care about the on the field stuff is the fact that he's a few years away from being a, a contributor in Notre Dame in my opinion right but there is I mean again when you have guys like Brennan Vernon in a class who has a very high floor in my opinion Bubakar yeah. Traore I think is a higher floor than this kid Devin Houston I think is a higher floor than this kid obviously Right. When you have those types of players that have higher floors, though, you're you can afford to be a little patient. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's the biggest negative in the world. But I mean, the reality is, is that I don't think Armel Mukum uh, is going to come into Notre Dame year one and contribute, which is fine. It's not a it's not a negative. But he doesn't need to. That's the other. That's the right. He doesn't right. need to. You don't yeah. need him to come in and play as a freshman, which is, again, part of why you can take a kid like this. Like if Notre Dame was in a situation, Ryan, we're like, man your freshman class is going to have to come into play right away. Like receiver. I don't know if you could take a kid like this at receiver and be your third or fourth defensive line, you know, third or fourth receiver. You know, like when we talk about the defensive line, you know, the comparison, you know, Tayshawn Lyons, that would be the 
-hmm. but Tayshon's going to, you know, if Notre Dame lands him, he's your fifth receiver. You know what I mean? And so I, you know, but, but part of the reason that you're able to get away with that is because you've, you've got Tyson Ford last year and, and Aiden Gobira and Josh Burnham. And because you have three other kids in this class. So again, that's why it's always important to recruit because when you, when you have success in other areas, it puts you in situations where you can take a chance on a kid like this. If you had depth issues in front of him, I don't know if you could convince yourself to take a chance on a kid like this, but because they're in a good position right. moving forward, including with this class, you're in, you're in a position where you're, you're, you're going to have a chance to, to, to go be successful and, and get there, eventually get there. So that's what I see. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. And, and I think that the biggest thing for me is, is I reiterated a little bit earlier, but when you have a kid like this, it, it's, it's something where you, you have to have a, a, a full scope outlook of a long-term look with this kid. Right. And mm-hmm. for your, your points of Notre Dame has not been hurting on the defensive line, right? Like they need to continue to replenish and restock and reshape mm-hmm. the talents but this is a type of kid where you have had success in the past. I mean, we talked right. a bunch about it already, right? Like Khalid Kareem, Adi Ogandiji. I'll keep talking about these guys that similar length athleticism profiles that Adi Ogandiji, to your point, what'd you say, Brian? Western Michigan was where he was committed to yeah, before was, that, right? Yeah. Notre Dame, Pitt, so, and Oregon got on him, but Notre Dame kind of got on him harder and flipped him from Western yeah. Michigan, correct? And he's, and he's a kid that's, I just saw someone say in the chat, rankings matter. Rankings do matter to a degree. You're right. No, not no, they fully. don't. They don't matter well, because well, they don't determine talent. That That's where sure. he's coming from, and that's what bothers me. Is rankings don't matter in regard to what your ranking is. I can slap any star ranking on a kid, and it doesn't define that kid. His talent is what matters. That's what matters. That. I agree with that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I would say this. I was using Adi Ogandiji as a as an example because – that was a three-star kid who was developed properly and ends up being a draftable player in right. the NFL and is now playing in the NFL. Who ca- who cares right. now what his star ranking was? I don't care. Right. And there's been plenty of examples. And this is not like this is not the highest ranked player that you have in the class, right? right? Like this is a player that right. you know that the long game is going to outweigh the right. short game, and you could be okay Correct. with that with the class that you have. Correct. And this is what we've always said, right? Like now, here's what you can't do. You can't fill a class up with 25 kids like this. Sure. That's the point because you have to get guys that have higher ceilings, higher floors, are more natural, can help right away. You've got to be able to get some kids that you know, okay, I know this guy's going to be able to play. You have to be able to do that. That's the balance that comes together when putting a staff like a class like this together because, as we said already, it's the success you've had with other guys like Tyson Ford, top 100 recruit, Josh Burnham top 100 recruit for people that obsess about stars. Uh, Aiden Galbraith, I think, was a 247 top 100 player. Hubakar's a top 100 player. Brendan Vernon's a top 100 player. So when you are having that kind of success for the people that worship stars, that's why you can have a kid like this. Or if you want to look at it and say, they've got players that when you pop on the film and the frames and the body types are really talented players, that's why you can take a, a flyer on a kid like this because they are taking a bit of a flyer on, on this kid. Sure. You know, there is, sure. again, there is projection. If there wasn't projection, we'd be talking about how high his floor is. And that's why I want to emphasize is you can be excited about a kid, but also understand that, that look, there's work to be done. This isn't a sure thing. If he was a sure thing, 
he Notre Dame would have offered him a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, that's the reality of it. They'd offered him a long time ago. Well, and, and Brian, think about it this way too. We think that Notre Dame, and I know someone asked about this, and we'll talk about the get next a little bit, I'm sure, at some point in this podcast. But Notre Dame may have five defensive linemen in this class, and there very well could be that Ar- Armel Mookum is the lowest ranked of all those guys. So, again, mm-hmm. it's not like this is like the premier player in your yeah. class, guys. This is yeah. this is something where – this is why Brian does his rankings of what the player is now and what the player's potential is. Someone asked, is this kid a gap closer? Not right now, but he can be. Mm-hmm. If he's developed properly and he hits the ceiling, is this kid not a gap closer? I mean, it could happen, right? And that's right. what – again, we need to stress the long-term versus the short-term. That right. is the biggest difference for me. This is a long-term play, and it's okay to have this type of kid occasionally in the class when you feel okay about a couple other players at the position group in the class that you feel are more high-floor players. This is about the mm-hmm. long-term play of Armel Mukum because he has tremendous upside. Yep. He is not a gap closer by himself, but he can be. Right. Just like other I mean, Isaiah Foskey, when they signed him, was not a gap closer. But we talked about how high his ceiling was. He could be. And he eventually became one. It took him three years to get there. Some kids do it. And, and to me, ultimately, this is the biggest difference between the five stars and the guys that end up being like, wow, how this could become a first-round pick. That's just between a Keon Keeley and, you know, some other kid that we don't know about in this. Like, there's going to be some three-star kid in this class that's going to be a top-ten NFL draft pick. It's mm-hmm. going to happen. I don't know who it's going to be. Happens and, every year. <laughs> right. I don't know who it's going to be. There are some other guys I can say. Like, when I look at Keon Keeley, and, and this is the point I'm making, is when you look at Keon Keeley, like, that's a that's a dude that – why is Keon a five-star? Elite talent, great upside. But you know Keon could come in and play for you right now. Like, right now. And if if whoever he picks, he's going to have a chance to come in and play as a freshman. And to me, that's the big difference between kids like – that. that's the difference between the ceiling and the floor. To me, ultimately, sure. in, in rankings, like the five star kids are usually the ones that it's obvious. I don't need to break down 30 games of Zachariah Branch and be like, yeah, he's really good. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't need to spend seven straight days and do nothing but break down Brandon in his film to realize he's pretty good. And you can say the same thing about, you know, kid after kid after kid that we have ranked very high. It's being able to find kids like this that are. You've got to be able to find some kids like this. You have to. And you can go look at you can go look at Alabama. You can go look at at Clemson. You can go look at what was Isaiah Simmons ranking coming out of high school? He's a three-star out of Kansas, right? State of Kansas. And this yep. is what's funny is you'll get the people in the chat that will take this and then twist it into something we're not saying. As we said, yeah. you don't recruit only these type of kids. But you, you also don't players. yes, you also don't look at recruit a kid. You don't recruit a kid just because he's a five-star. You don't not recruit a kid just because he's a three-star. You find kids that have talent. Sometimes those kids are going to look like a five-star kid. Other times it's going to be a three-star kid. It's about finding those type of kids. Isaiah Foskey was ranked as a top 200 player by a grand total of zero recruiting services. Zero. He's mm -hmm. probably going to be Notre Dame's first first first-round pick in over 20 years as a defensive end. And if you look at Isaiah Foskey now, again, this is the short-term versus long-term, is anybody would anybody question Isaiah Foskey as a five star player now? Like, would anybody question that? That's my biggest mm-hmm. thing. And then I'll take this to the NFL draft side of things, right, Brian? So by that logic, this is the same logic. Only first round picks pan out. Fourth round picks don't matter. Fifth round picks right. don't matter. 
seventh round, UDFA, right. they don't matter, right? I mean, wh- one of your favorite players, right? Was wasn't Terrell Davis like a six round pick? Uh, never started. Pick. Never started at Georgia. He backed up Garrison Hurst his whole career. You, to be a great program, you need to be able to evaluate yeah. and identify talents. They come in different packages. Sid, I know your 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 point of the five star thing, right? Like we're going back to the chat for a second. You recruit five stars that you f- think are really good players, right? You recruit three stars you think are really good players. You recruit four stars that you think are really good players. That is the point of right. this, is that they have identified this kid and they like yeah. him. And that is the point. Like, I mean, Brian, you said it. There's a couple other higher ranked players right. that they could have been in the game for, but right. they identified this kid as a better fit and a better player for them. And the reality is that we don't say the same things about him that we've said about other kids that they've landed last year or this year. Right, right. We're not we're not ringing Ben Minich's like bell the same way we're we're ringing this one because it's you're recruiting Ben Minich for a different reason than you're recruiting this kid, right? You're not recruiting him to be a, a, a high floor guy or high ceiling guy that can come in. It's like you know special teams guy, smart kid, good athlete. You know maybe could be a solid player down the road. You're not replace. You're not recruiting him to say hey this guy may end up being as good as Peyton Bowen. This kind of kid, however, could end up being as good as anybody in the class that they've recruited. And I would argue that of the current commits they still have, that the, the two kids with the lowest floors have the highest ceilings, Bubakar and this kid. Yeah. They have the two lowest floors of the defensive linemen, in my opinion. But I would argue significantly higher upside. I mean, Bubakar, to me, has the highest ceiling of any of the defensive linemen in the class. Now that Keon's not in it, it was Keon, but now that he's not in it, Bubakar has the highest ceiling of any defensive lineman in this class. And I, per, me personally, I, I, I think you – think it's a little closer but for me i don't think it's close i i i don't think it's close and that's saying a lot because i think all three of those kids have are really good football players and now this kid as well so that's kind of where you need to be is just find the right fit of players right find the right fit of players find guys with high ceilings you and i have had this discussion a lot before ryan what's more important to you the floor or the ceiling well the answer is it depends what are my needs if i need a kid like right now a receiver they needed some high floor guys in this class because those guys got to play right away. They needed some high floor guys. Defensive line, you don't need them as much, except a Viper. I think there's a a potential for a Viper to step in uh, and and help out early on as well. So that's kind of basically where, where we're, where you're looking at on this one. Yeah. So let's talk about what's next, Ryan, about the defensive line class. And the reality is they're not, they're not done yet. At least they're not trying to be done yet. Mm -hmm. They they, they still want to get a Viper. And that's what we, we said at the beginning for, so people who, um, for people who maybe got in late, just to reiterate, this was not a replacement for Keon Keeley. This is more of a replacement for the role that they were recruiting Jason Moore to play big end who could maybe grow into an inside guy. Uh, and so that's um, that's what this is. They are still going to try to recruit a fifth defensive lineman in this class, Ryan. And the, that type of player is going to be someone who can play the edge, the Viper position, because that is still the one glowing, glaring hole. And the, the only hole in this defensive class at this point in time is the Viper. Yeah, because I, I know you were talking a little bit about, you know, maybe Bubakar might be that guy. Yeah. But the point blank That's is, what I was told. I right. don't see that yet. Not 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 your personal yeah. opinion, right? You can just right. go off of what you've been told behind the scenes. But the point of the matter is, is that you don't have a natural Viper. Could he be a different type of Viper? Maybe. 
but they don't have a true natural Viper right. like a Keon Keeley was, right? Got, so yeah. Notre Dame is going to push this number to five, and they need to they they have already started to identify some players they like in that Viper mold, and now it's about which one can they gain traction with, which right. guy makes sense from a fit perspective, and which one would be a good overall fit overall in the right. class. Like that is what they are searching for right now. So you've seen a couple guys get offered, like Caleb Herring, that's that's committed to the University of Tennessee, like Blake Purchase, who's out in Colorado. I don't we don't know what the future is going to hold for these players, but the point is is that there is going to be a fifth defensive lineman more than likely in this class, and it is going to be a true sure. viper type, not a bigger viper. Sure. Uh, I want to say something else about this one too, Ryan, uh, is, Mm -hmm. is for me, when I look at Notre Dame and I look at kind of what they're recruiting, my hope, I have been told that they're going to be patient with the, the, the Viper recruiting and they're going to let it play out and and just try to see who they can, who they can get in on and, and guys that they like, and just, you know, kind of, get a high ceiling guy. There's some, you know, obviously Caleb Herring is a guy that they've talked to. I don't see that one right now going anywhere just yet. Uh, There's just not a lot of interest there. Obviously he's from Tennessee. He's been committed to Tennessee for a while. Uh, So I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't see that one necessarily uh, panning out per se. So uh, I, you know, I, I just, but they're going to try, right. I mean, you keep working. And I, what I don't want to see them do, and this is going to kind of come off as disrespectful, like it, unless he is better as a senior than what I've seen, like mm-hmm. to me, I don't think Blake Purchase and Jaden Moore are the answer for me. I agree. So, and, and again, I, I would have, I would have liked one of those if they were the fifth defensive, if they were in this, if they already had Keon, maybe, right, right, exactly, exactly. If you Losing, have your true Viper, yeah. and yeah. Losing Keon changed that a little bit. You know, you you can't, you know, if you wanted to get a second Viper and you know, all that kind of stuff, you can maybe do that, and you can't now. You've got to go out and get a guy with a – now, I don't care about – the. St- I'm not talking about the star ranking per se. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying you got to go get a top 50 recruit. You just got to get a guy with a really high ceiling. And, and if he also has a high floor, that is great. But he has to at least be a guy with a, a high ceiling, in my opinion. So – that's that's kind of where I'm at for that. And we did have a question. Somebody had brought something up. So uh, I do want to uh, I do want to I, w- I do want to do something here real quick. So, Ryan, let's um, uh, just kind of a little bit. of We're going to do like a mini football 101 here just so people can kind of understand. Uh, somebody asked a question of they don't know what the positions mean, like what we were referring to as far as like Viper and all those different type of things. So I did want to pull this up and uh, show people what we're talking about. So that way it starts to make sense. But essentially the Viper is the, is the position that Isaiah Foskey plays. So it's a, it's a, it's a weak side player. So I just want to pull this up. So this is Ryan, this is sort of Notre Dame's defense. This is against USC. Uh, This is Notre Dame lining up in their sort of their basically their base defense. So if you look right here, this player right here is, Let's see if we get some letters up here. But okay, so this right here, as you all can see, this right here, that is Keon Keeley. That is the Viper. So it is a it is a boundary or weak side player against USC. They were going tempo, so sometimes they would just kind of stay in their left and rights. 
this is the big end. That's Myron Tungvaloa right here. That's the big end. The Viper is a guy that can, has to rush the passer off the edge. He has to be a guy that they'd like to have a guy that can drop underneath, can buzz the flats, can drop underneath hook curls. You know, a guy that can move around, brings a little bit more athleticism to the position. The big end here, which is what Myron plays, is more of a force player, right? He, he's got to be a run stopper first. I mean, you've got to be a great edge setter, whether it's spilling outside, forcing back inside, whatever the case may be, power player, a guy that can take on double teams if you have a tight end in the game, a guy that can really set the edge. Because the, the big end, more often than not, Ryan, is the guy that's going to have to say, hey, you're running at me. I'm stopping this this movement right now i'm that's what we mean by setting the edge so what the defensive offensive line wants to do is like if they're running outside zone they want to keep winding you and moving you your job is to say nope we're stopping right here i'm setting that edge right here we're not going any further if he's if you're bringing a puller he's got to be physical enough to kind of attack that puller take on that puller not get knocked back set the line in your favor that's what that big end has to do a lot okay and so that's that's kind of where they are with that. And so that's what the big end has to do, just so you understand the differences between the two. That's why you need a guy with more girth, a little bit more power, uh, a, a nice build, those type of things. This is the nose. That's Kurt Heinisch right here. Uh, that's the nose right here. So you can see that. And then this is the three technique. More often than not, that's Jason Adamiola. More often than not, Ryan, so I hope that was helpful to the people who said they didn't know what the positions meant. Hopefully that was helpful. More often than not, when you're in a situation uh, where Notre Dame is lining up in their base defense, the Viper and the three technique, the D tackle, go together, and the nose and the big end go together. That's not always the case, especially if they're in tempo or if they're in like a, a sub package. You know, you'll see it differently, but more often than not, that's how that's how they they are. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And the biggest differences between the three tech and the nose, just to kind of, you know, just finish off the, the front four there is that the nose more often than not is a little bit of a thicker player. They're going to be more of the, the, the player that's going to work at the point of attack a ton, take on some double teams, do a lot of type of stuff. Your three tech is more of your twitchier interior player. That is a little more disruptive, although it's a little tricky in Notre Dame's defense because they're more of a one gap system where they want all of those guys to have some penetration mm -hmm. skills. But for the uh, usually your nose tackle is going to be your bigger, better run stopper than your three tech, who's more of your penetration style player. Yep. And uh, we were asked this question by Zach Martin. Is there an, a linebacker or two that hasn't moved yet? You could see moving to Viper if need be. I mean, they've already moved them basically. You know, we're seeing Jordan Patejo mm -hmm. get snaps at Viper. And of course we've seen, we've seen Josh Burnham. But if there's a scenario where, let's say, Junior Two Alamaka is not starting at Mike and there's a need at Viper, I'd have no problem with Junior getting some reps at Viper. It's not the ideal position for him, but he can play it. Mm -hmm. And from what I'm told, he is getting pass rusher reps in nickel looks, but it's as like a linebacker because apparently he's got a, a little bit of a knack as a pass rusher. So it's not what I would want to do with him, Ryan, but he can do that if you need be. So 
I don't think Viper is the big need that people think that it is uh, in regard right. to numbers. You don't have to panic to move somebody. Losing Keon Keeley is not a loss from a, gee, we don't have a Viper standpoint. They have some really talented Vipers. It's you lost at a chance that a guy that just had a level of talent that nobody else in your roster had that nobody sure. else, not many other teams have that kind of guy. I mean, Josh Burnham, Aiden Gobira are legitimate, in, in my view, top 100 caliber talents, right? They're yes. that type of player. But Keon is a top five national player, and that's right. the difference. Like, Josh Burnham could be a second-round draft pick type of guy. That's a really good football player. That's a Harold Landry mm-hmm. type of guy. And Harold Landry had great numbers, but there's a difference between Harold Landry and – Josh Allen, the kid from Kentucky, right? Yes. Or yep, yep. Uh, Chase Young, or and that's the kind of stratosphere that Keon is in as a prospect, and and that's mm-hmm. the thing. But it's not a numbers thing. It's not a gee, they don't have enough guys. Who's going to play Viper? They're going to be young there next year, right? That's a reality. But they're going to be talented. Mm-hmm. It's just you Absolutely. would have liked to have those guys and Keon. That's the difference. Like, I hate when people do that. I hate when people, like, when you lose a guy and they're like, well, no big deal. We've got so-and-so. Okay, great. So-and-so is really good. But wouldn't you like so-and-so and the guy that they lost? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, don't do that. It's okay to say, hey, they got really talented players, but that's a big loss. Or they go the reverse way and they say, all is lost. Nobody else on this roster is good. And you're just like, right. eh, no, there's some talent there. Like it's, it's not the right. end of the world. It'll be okay. But yeah, it, it, right. I think it's, it's like anything, Brian. And it's always these questions they, that people ask that are like, is it more this or is it more that, or is it more that? And usually it's a combination, right? right. Like there's middle grounds to a right. lot of those issues. So right. Losing key again, we're talking about Keon again. It's fine. Right. Well, you Keon have to. I mean, this is a defense, it's a sure. fair thing to bring up right now. This is a defensive end that committed to Notre Dame like a week after Keon decommitted. It, it would be silly for us, like, no, it says we're not going to talk about Keon. It's not relevant. It is relevant because they're still mm-hmm. searching for that guy, and we're talking about it during a time where we're saying, What's next? Sure. You know, but what what y'all have to understand is they're not gonna get another Keon Keely because there isn't one. They're not getting him, and they're not getting Damon Wilson. That's the only two options of guys that are in that category, in my opinion, of those Vipers. I mean, is there anybody else that you'd throw into their category, Ryan? No, I mean, I mean, like I, I saw people in the chat saying, like, like the Bradley kid that's committed to Tennessee too, and I like love the that Bradley kid. kid, but like he's not, he's not Keon Keeley though. Right. I mean, that's the that's the well, the and that's what we're, that's what we're saying. Like he's a really good yeah. prospect, uh, for sure. And have you ever seen him play basketball? It's a really good basketball yes. player. Yes, he's uh, very good. Basketball Caleb player. Herring is a really talented kid. They would be great additions to the like if Notre Dame got one of those two kids, I would look at this D line class and say, I don't know if there's a better D line class in the country than this group. It would be a really good group. You'd have three top hundred kids, like legitimate top hundred talents. Devin Houston's a top one fifty talent, and then you got this high ceiling kid uh, that you know we're talking about now. So it'd be a great D line class. But you got to be able to look at it and, okay, look at it for what it is. It's a great D-line class. And you can also say, but, man, imagine if you had so-and-so. And those two kids may end up being better than Keon. But that's part of you never know type of thing, right? Like, in the NFL, it's not guaranteed that the number one pick is going to be the best guy in the class, and number two is going to be the second best guy, and number three. You know, like, that was your point earlier. Yeah. But yep. you still say if I'm going to – if I'm going to – if I'm going to take a chance, I'm going to – if I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss on – because I took Keon, not because I, you know, took some try hard guy who's four inches shorter and 
you know, has six inches shorter wingspan and runs three tenths of a second, 40 time, but man, he tries hard, you know, like that's not how you win championships. And honestly, Notre Dame had too many guys like that on the D line in recent years, even as good as their D lines were, there was always a couple kids on the D line that just were that kind of guy. Like if we're being honest, I love Myron Tungvaloa Mosa. Great kid, good football player. I love Kurt Heinisch. But for Notre Dame's D-line to get to the talent level that it needs to be to really be special and elite, they need better. They need those guys to be coming off the bench guys. That's got to be your number two nose guard, your number two big end. Your number one's got to be better. And I think that's what made that 2018 D-line the closest we've seen to a really like elite group is other than John Bonner, you had dudes everywhere and in the two deep on the edge. And I think that's where Notre Dame is trying to get to. They, right. and that's what I think the 22 and 23 D line classes are so important because you were signing Foskey and Riley Mills and guys like that individually were really good players, but you weren't getting two, three, four of them in the same class. Last right. year, you got a couple guys like that. This year, you're getting multiple guys like that. And that's where Notre Dame has got to get to. And that's why that Viper position is important. Why I want to see them take their time. Don't rush and get a kid that's a good football player to fill a need. That's what the old staff would do. They would go get some solid top 250 caliber prospect that's a nice, good football player that's going to be the Viper version of a Prince Shimbo or, uh, you know, because Prince Shimbo was a good football player, put up good numbers. But when did he shrink? When he played big time teams, why? Not because he didn't try, because he wasn't that good. He wasn't, wasn't that guy, yeah. elite good. Right. And and so that's where that's where Georgia was last year. Like they'd have a try hard guy, but he was surrounded by other dudes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and so that's why take your time with the Viper position. Don't rush into it to fill a need. Right? Let keep let let Isaiah go do his thing this year. Let Justin Adamiola do his thing this year. Let them say, hey, guys, we had like 18 combined sacks from our Viper position. Okay? Like, how do you not want to be a part of that? And then find a kid that's willing to, to, to be on board that. Like, I want to see them play the long game here. I want to see them bet on themselves a little bit. Because honestly, if right. you miss, I'd rather miss on a big-time guy than go get a – and I don't even want to say the name because it's going to seem disrespectful, but just a solid quality football player that, you know – gives you some good depth and maybe he pans out someday, but he's not a needle mover now. Hey, you met your needs uh, numbers wise. I'd rather not. You don't need numbers. You need an impact player. And that's where I want to see them go, Ryan. So I want to see them take their time and focus on those type of kids. It doesn't have to be a top 50 recruit. It could be a guy with, it could be an Isaiah Foskey, a guy that wasn't a high recruit, but had it. You could see the ceiling on Isaiah as a high school kid. I mean, that's why he had a five-star upside for me. But he wasn't a top 100 recruit at the time. He was a little raw. He was still learning defense. He didn't really know how to play defense yet. And so to me, that's kind of where, where you know, some, somebody said it almost sounded like Brian was about to say, let Keon see Isaiah Foskey do his thing this year. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean – you ain't wrong. That's not what I meant, but that's kind of where I'm coming from. You know, sure. like let Keon see that. Let Bradley see that. Let Herring see that. Let there's a kid from Utah that's leaning to Oklahoma. I'd I'd give him a call. Hey man, we 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 need a big time edge rusher. You know what I'm talking about? The the kid that that uh 
He's from Utah. I think he's leaning to to. Uh, he was in my top hundred. I'd go for mm-hmm. kids like that. That's that's what I would do. Is pursue them, take the risk, and let it ride. That's what I would do, Ryan. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Well, well, Brian. So for people that don't follow the calendar for recruiting too much, we're in a dead period right now. What comes after the dead period, Brian? It's called an evaluation period right. in September. Like that—that's it, this isn't. We still have months until signing day. Like this isn't something where like I have to have twenty six today. Like there's most teams that aren't even close to where Notre Dame is from numbers mm-hmm. perspective. Like the Notre Dame has time. They have the evaluation period. It's not over, right? right. Like th- it's not like whoever's on the board right now. That's the only players you get a shot at. Things can change right. very quickly in recruiting. Right. So let's just. I agree with you. Play the long game. Let's be patient here. We'll be all right. Because what what a lot of you have to understand, and we've had this conversation, everybody's obsessed with NIL. And, oh, they can't get kids, and, you know, if they don't offer this. And, and look, some kids, that's true. Notre Dame was ultimately going to have a hard time getting Dante Moore because of that. For sure. Because of the dad. That's not true for all kids. I'm telling you right now, y'all don't want to believe it, but Keon is not a didn't decommit because of NIL. Is it a factor? Yes, it is a factor. Sure. There's a but you know what Keon's big thing is? Alabama sold him on a couple things, and I won't get into too much of it because it's some some of the stuff I want to kind of keep in private conversations that I've had with him. But one of the things that really sold him was there's a there's a higher level of chance based on history that Alabama can turn them into a top 10 pick compared to Notre Dame. That's just a fact. I mean, and that ultimately is Keon's goal because Keon understands, yeah, I could get a million dollars here, but the big money is going to be because I'm a top five NFL draft pick. That's the big money. And there's a lot of kids that understand that, Ryan. And that's the way that Notre Dame can get to the point where they can compete with that because there's a lot more NIL opportunities at Notre Dame than a lot of you realize. And we've been trying to say this for month after month after month. It's not a coincidence that Notre Dame is in the midst of their best recruiting class when NIL picked up hot and heavy. Y'all think these kids are turning down six-figure deals to come to Notre Dame for free. That's not it. It's just Notre Dame isn't offering that to these kids as recruits. They're talking to, oh, Mayor got what? Kyle Hamilton made how much? Foskey's got his own clothing line and he's making how much the twins are making six figures. Like, are you kidding me? Like they're not even star, right? You see what I'm saying? Like these kids know this fans don't want to accept it because Notre Dame's not selling it the way that other people are, because I think Notre Dame's really uncomfortable with like putting it out there. Cause then it comes across as an enticement. There's it's not a coincidence. Notre Dame is doing this in an NIL era because these kids have been getting offered money always. Players getting six-figure offers is not new. What's new is now Notre Dame has some things that they can offer some kids, not directly to recruits, but that recruits are aware of that. But at the end of the day, that's not going to matter as much for some of these elite, elite kids until Notre Dame starts showing them, but I can make you a first-round pick because that's the big money. How much – so, Ryan, do you remember – like, I mean, obviously, I know the deals are not as as um, as big as they used to be, right? But do you remember yeah. what the numbers were for the first round quarterbacks last year by by chance? Not off the top of my head, no. Okay, it's gonna, it's all it's all on a, a rookie pay scale now, though. So yeah, it's to find. but it's but the, it's still like big time money, and and uh, and I'm um, so oh, like sure. so. What's his name? Um, 
the kid from Tennessee, Nico, got $8 million yeah. over four years. Trevor yeah. Lawrence got 36.8. Zach mm-hmm. Wilson got 35.2. Trey Lance got 34.1. So my point being, that's still ultimately what matters more. Go somewhere, and most of these kids get that. Go somewhere that can turn you into top NFL draft pick if you're a five-star because, yeah, you may get a couple mil now. And here's the reality. Keon Keeley ain't getting the money thrown at him that quarterbacks are getting thrown at him. That's just a fact. No. Yep. But you go to the NFL draft and you're a top 10 pick, that's where the real money is. And most of these kids understand that. They're a lot smarter mm-hmm. than I think a lot of people, a lot of, you know, a lot of people realize. I I also hate painting kids like because again, I know NIL is a real deal. Like we've sure. talked about this a ton, Brian. Sure. Right. Like Notre Dame's lost kids players, because of NIL and we'll lose others. 100%. They're not going to get Samuel Pemba because he's looking for a guaranteed NIL deal, in my right. opinion. And and yeah. There are more players aside from Samuel and Pemba that Notre Dame is not going to have a chance at mm-hmm. because they know from the point blank period that the payout in the beginning matters a lot to them mm-hmm. and their family. Cool. Guaranteed That's money. Fine. You could right. You can do what you want. That I have nothing against kids doing like do what you what you value as best for you. That's fine. But there are also Brian R, and I know we're not going to say names on this podcast, but we know for a fact that there are several players in this in this class that have turned down a lot of money. Like we'll close to seven that, right? figures. Close yes. to seven figures. And I and, and no and, and there's gonna and that's that we know that of in the or in the ballpark. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly. what we know exactly. of. I mean right. right more than half a million dollars with some, three, four hundred thousand with others, and they didn't even think twice yeah. about it. And and right. the answer every time is, but this is what Notre Dame has said awaits him at Notre Dame. This is the opportunities. And again, there's certain things that we can't say, Mm -hmm. but these kids know I'm not going to Notre Dame and making nothing, especially if I'm good. Cause they get that, you know, but like you said, they're going to lose some kids. They're going to lose some kids because, but they lost kids in the past because of money. This isn't new. It's just now Notre Dame actually does have some, because in the past it was, you're going to school for free and get nothing at Notre Dame. It's not that anymore. Nope. And so uh, these kids understand that. And and they just need to keep seeing this through because eventually it's going to get to the point, and this is where I see it going, Ryan. It may take a couple mm-hmm. years, but sooner rather than later, what's going to happen is these kids are going to understand their power. They're going to understand their, their value and say, hey, I'm not worth $8 million because Tennessee says I am. I'm worth $8 million. And I'm going to go get deals independent of where I go. And so I'm going to go... I'm going to get my 8 million, but I'm also going to go to the place that's going to develop me and make me a first round pick, or I'm going to get my 2 million. I'm going to get my million. And that, that to me is where this is going to go. You're going to see more and more kids start signing deals as high school players that have nothing to do with that. You're going to start seeing shoe companies start to do some of this stuff. Now those people start, they're going to want to start trying to push kids in different directions. But again, if these kids know their power and their value, and eventually they are going to learn this, then they're going to understand, Hey, I'm going to go where I want. And, and you, you want to be on board with me, right? And, and hey, you know, some of those are going to say, hey, I'd like for you to go to Notre Dame because I would love to get in the Notre Dame market. And it's not Notre Dame doing it. And it could be, you know, Texas or, I mean, you get the point that I'm making. These people are going to understand that. I'm just saying, like, NIL is frustrating Notre Dame fans. It shouldn't. Because mm-hmm. NIL is giving Notre Dame opportunities. And, and look, Notre Dame's getting frustrated by some of this NIL stuff. But it's no different than, 
when kids were getting hundred grand under the table in the past. It's no different. Right. No different. Right. Though the kids that are looking for that are always going to be looking for that. Now there are some kids that I think Notre Dame would have had a shot to get if if there's no NIL, Dante Moore is in this class, most likely. Mm-hmm. His dad didn't want him at Notre Dame. That's a fact, but I think ultimately Dante would have said, I'm going to Notre Dame if there was no NIL. It has hurt him. But I also believe, and I won't say who, there's at least two kids in this class that I believe are in this class because of NIL. Not because Notre Dame has guaranteed them something as prospects, but because they like a lot about Notre Dame, school and all that, but they see what opportunities await them if they come and they shine. And they see what kids at their position are doing or other positions are doing and they understand it. And that's what I wish Notre Dame fans would say, Take a deep breath, let this thing play out, and don't focus only on the kids they lost. And just give us a little benefit of the doubt that we're not blowing smoke up your butts about the kids that they're getting because of that, or the kids that are turning down that kind of money. Uh, that's this, the this reality. Is pretty funny, Brian. You just you just mentioned that this is like kids have been being paid under the table for years. Like this yeah. isn't something that just salty just said. Nil equals now it's legal. Very yeah. very true. Very yeah. true, sir. Like you which can, means you Notre Dame is now in the game. Right. That's the difference. But people are uh, no, too many are obsessed with the enticement as a recruiting pitch. And mm-hmm. I get that. And some kids are going to want that. That's what some people are going to want. But there's a lot of kids, which is why Notre Dame has the number two, number three ranked recruiting class in the country. So, uh, you know, that's just kind of where they're at. We're not going to do a mailbag today. So we, we do have a couple questions that we'll just kind of answer real quick. Anthony Solomon with a super chat. Thank you for that, Anthony. He says uh, NIL cash for IB. I appreciate that. You know, we're not uh, we're not going to get involved in the uh, in the NIL business. I hate to well, break I, it to I, ha- I have um, we, we have we have decent Twitter followings, though. So according to on three, we have a little bit of uh, yeah, a little bit of. Yeah, we, we could charge I, some money, right? Super followers yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah, uh, that's what it's all based on, right? Social media following or whatever, it, something it, like that. It literally is, yeah. Yep. Whatever. I should get me an NIL deal. That's what I should do. <laughs> I'm going to get me an NIL deal. Uh, and then Brandon also asked this question that I think is relevant to the conversation from today. Do you think Notre Dame will look to take two Vipers in 24, or will one for sure edge player suffice? I think it depends, Brandon, think, on – on. Yeah. go ahead, Ryan. Go. No, no, you, you, we're going to say the same thing. I think you're about to say exactly what I was going to say. It, it depends on what Viper they land in this class, right? Like if, you, if you're comfortable and he's a high caliber player and you really like him, then I think you can get away with one next cycle. But if you miss on a guy that you really wanted for the Viper spot, then that makes the need even more important in 2024. Right. So yeah, I right. think we're on the same wavelength yep, there. Basically, yeah. If you don't get a guy in this class, let's say you shoot for the stars and you don't get a guy, pass on a guy and go for two next year. You know, especially if one of those guys can be like an Elijah rushing. And I, and I don't know if they're going to get Elijah rushing. I'm not saying that. I'm just, he's an example of the type of kid where I could see him being a Viper, but I could also see him growing into a big end. So if you get him and then another guy that maybe is a pure Viper, like a Jay Sean Ross. And again, I'm just throwing out guys they've offered. I'm not saying they're going to get either one of those kids. Just using them as examples. Then, you know, you can still play them together. They don't have to both be pure Vipers. I think that's the way two Vipers would work is if one of the kids has a little bit, would have to have a little bit of flexibility even if it's a linebacker Viper, you know, DN, big end Viper. That I mean, it, it has to be some combination. I don't know if you're going to take two pure guys, as but more so two guys that can play it, but one can if another guy takes over. So that's right. um, that's kind of what I look for. But if you are able to get the, uh, the right kind of player in this class, then you you don't uh, you don't have to 
focus on numbers next year, you can say, hey, look, let's do the ne- same thing next year. Get the best player that we can get at the position. And that's kind of where we're at. Can I pull this up real quick, Brian? I don't know. If I knew you exactly where you're going. Yeah, go ahead. It's yeah. on the, me- if, you, okay. if you'd have known this hours ago, Bobby, if you were on the message board, but yeah, we can go ahead and throw this out there. Yeah. Yeah. So Bobby says, so is love still going to decide in August? We're running out of a month. And it, if it, if he doesn't, is that cause of concern like more in Hannah and waiting it out? So Bobby, I did put something on it's a very fair yesterday question, about this. It is a very fair question. And I also put a, in a little more of an update this morning about this as well. So the whole situation here is, is that when Jeremiah Love is the running back we're talking about, obviously he's out of Christian Brothers in St. Louis, Missouri. He's the top running back recruit, top offensive player left on the board for Notre Dame. That's the, that's the guy. That's the key to their class, in my opinion, on the offensive side of the ball. And he, I still believe that Notre Dame is in a really good spot after talking to Jeremiah pretty recently here. The whole hang-up with this recruit, because originally he wanted to get this done in August. Like, before the season started, he didn't want to have to deal with recruiting anymore. The hang-up is when he went on his official last month, his mom was not able to travel with them because she was recovering from COVID. So mm-hmm. wasn't able to come on the trip. What Jeremiah and his family ha- wanted to do for this decision is they want to be able to sit down with the parents and the coaches to meet face to face. And I mean, he said, you know, j- just kind of, you know, shoot, shoot the breeze or whatever, whatever uh, lingo he ended up using for that. He wants them to be comfortable with one another before he makes a decision. I think Notre Dame's in a really good spot. But the point of the matter is, is that he is planning on hopefully for the Marshall game. That's tentative right now. Mm-hmm. He wants to get him and his family out to visit with the coaches, mom to meet the coaches and to take in the game day. And at that point, I would not anticipate this dragging on much longer after right. that. That is kind of the last step to making that final decision is that they want mom, he wants mom to be able to meet the coaching staff to just make sure that she is comfortable with everything as well. So I think Notre Dame's still in a really good position. Mm-hmm. It's just, it is going to drag on a couple more weeks though. And just so people understood, Notre Dame and and Jeremiah uh, made an appeal to the NCAA to try to get him on campus sooner because yes. of the dead period and because of the extenuating circumstance of his mom being sick. But they denied it, so that he couldn't come. That's that's the reason he didn't come sooner. That they they tried to make it sooner. Uh, just so everybody understands, and and that's um, you know that's kind of that's kind of where they're at for that. So uh, that's it's very it's exactly kind of what's well, not exactly it's very similar to what happened with Charles Jagasol. You know his he wasn't going to commit till his mom got to come to campus and sit down with the coach. And she'd been to campus before, but sit down with the coaches. And it, it wasn't a like they don't care about Jeremiah's mom coming up to take a tour of the stadium. That's not it. It's Sit down with face to face with Marcus Freeman, face to face with Tommy Reese, face to face with Dylan McCullough, and just say, "Hey, look, you know, you're the people where I'm entrusting my son to for the next three to four years. I need to know that I can trust you." And that's where it's been. She's been to those other places, but this is a place that she hasn't been able to get to, and it's just because of the timing of when they came. So uh, that's yep. that's where they're at with that one. So and they got to close though, someone, right? And that's the key, they right? They got to close. close. They got to close. They have to close. And, and someone asked on the board today about the love situation, Brian. I just want to kind of put this out in the universe real quick. This is the last step. I don't anticipate him taking other visits from my conversation yeah. with him. I think this is a Notre Dame have this last step of the process and then make his final decision. So again, I do not think that this is a situation where it's going to drag on very long. Cause last couple of times I talked to Jeremiah, 
he seems kind of over the recruiting yeah. at this point. Like he wanted to enjoy his senior year. So I do yeah. not think that this is going to drag on much longer after that visit. Another relative question to this, Ryan, is is this question right here from Johnny Magic. Any chance of flipping Jason Moore down the stretch if Notre Dame beats the Buckeyes? Uh, with this kid in the class now, I, I don't I don't I don't see that. Unless here's the circumstances. What we talk about if they go out in the first month of the season, they're like, dude, this Bubakar kid is legit Viper now. Like he's moving better. He's just he can play Viper now. That would be the only scenario in which I would see that because you just now you're you got too many big guys. You don't have enough, you, you know, you're you're going to be the best run-stopping defensive line in college football. But you're not going to be able to rush the quarterback the way you need to if you don't have a little bit more of a pure – you're going to need some more true edge rushers. And so that's where I think it would it would, it would have to depend on Bubakar really turning it up to be that guy. And I love Bubakar, but I don't see – that that's not his game from what we saw last year. But there's also real limited film on Bubakar, which is why I don't rank him as high as some others because I just can't put him in the top 100 when I just haven't seen enough of him to put him in the top 100, to be honest with you. So that's why my grade of him is a little lower than some others. It's I see the tools, but there's just not enough film for me to say top 100. You know, So we'll see if that changes as a senior year. I hope that we get to see a little bit more film of him this year. But that would be the only scenario. Around. I mean, do, do you disagree with that? I mean, you can't take another big end no. in this class, in my opinion. Now at that point you have, because I'm a big I'm a big proponent of, of variety, right? So mm-hmm. like at that point you're just, I mean, because you already have Brendan Vernon and Bubakar in the class, so like at that point you just have a lot of the same guy, you know. And then obviously right. with Armel too, I mean, you have three guys that could very well be strong side defensive ends at the end of the at the end of the day. So I, I don't think that you can load up on that because I think you're just overpopulating one position. It's 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 counterproductive, I think, to mm-hmm. developments to a yep. degree. So, Simon said, is Sean Steyer's show coming up immediately after the stream? Just to remind you all, that will not be tonight. So, the IB Nation Sports Talk show will not be aired tonight because of this commitment video. And also because Sean, Notre Dame had an evening practice tonight, and they have one tomorrow. Now, Sean will miss the practice tomorrow. Vince is going to go to the practice, and Sean's going to do the show tomorrow. But we wanted to get Sean to tonight's practice and the press availability afterwards. So, those two factors kind of combined for Sean to be uh, doing that part of his job tonight, not hosting the show. So it worked out really well in that regard. So, But he will be back tomorrow, Thursday night, for the IB Nation Sports Talk. A reminder for those who maybe missed today's afternoon show, uh, Saturday, 10 a.m. from 10 to noon, we are going to launch our first IB ki- countdown to kickoff show. I was getting ready to say sports talk. Our IB <laughs> countdown to kickoff show where we will preview the Notre Dame season and the college football season. And then it starts every Saturday from then on, including during Notre Dame's bye week. And we will preview the upcoming Notre Dame game. It's kind of like our version of college game day, but we think it's going to be really good. Uh, we're going to break down the Notre Dame game, all types of different angles and looks at the Notre Dame game. Then we'll preview sort of the big games that weekend in college football. That will be from 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock Eastern time in the morning on Saturdays. It will start this Saturday. Uh, which is week zero. We'll have a couple games we'll preview, but it'll be mostly kind of looking at the season. So you're g- definitely going to want to check out the IB countdown to kickoff Saturday mornings on the Irish Breakdown channel from 10 to noon every day. It'll be Sean Styers and Vince D'Addario will be the co-hosts for that show. Ryan will make an occasional appearance. I'll have a little set segment in there, but it's going to be those guys kind of handling that. We'll have different guests on at different times of the year. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait to do it. We've been wanting to do it for a while uh, and now that we've got Sean Styers, it gives us really the 
the staff to have that. I think Sean has been such a tremendous addition to to what we're doing and just his background doing that kind of thing, you know, doing and he's been doing stuff like this for the radio station for years. Uh, he, he's going to do such a great job, such a great job. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that. So we're going to have that on Saturday as well. So tomorrow, one o'clock, six o'clock, we'll have our shows Friday. We'll have our normal mailbag might be our last mailbag of the season. We'll have to see how that's going to go. Sean and I are talking about the one that I'm going to be in anyway. Uh, we're going to have a nightly mailbag with Sean, just trying to work out which day it's going to be. Ryan and I are going to do daily mailbags, continue doing those, which we did not do last year. So it won't just be the one big mailbag only during the afternoon. We're going to move that to the evening and just do daily mailbags. So that way you don't have to wait till Friday to ask a question you may have had on Tuesday. You can actually ask it on Tuesday. You'll, you'll actually get more mailbags then, right? More mailbag well, questions. Well, maybe. Format, so. Depends on how long we go. Those mailbags used to go really long. <laughs> Uh, but our Fridays are going to be our prediction shows. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's, it's going to be a blast. We're really looking forward to this. So, uh, and, and then Friday's show, we're going to have a mailbag, but we're also going to, Ryan and I, uh, next Friday, we'll also kind of have our predictions as well. So de- definitely make sure you check that out. And how you can do that is obviously liking this show, which we would greatly appreciate it. Subscribe to our channel, hit that notification bell, share this podcast. If you're listening via a podcast format, give us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. And of course, as always, Sign up to the message board, boards.archbreakdown.com. You, Bobby, you would not have had to ask that question about Jeremiah Love if you're on the message board. We already put it out there. You also would have known at about 8 o'clock this morning that something was coming tonight. Those are one of the other perks of being on the message board. So uh, we appreciate all of you all being here with us today. Enjoy the rest of your night. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for being with us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.